a lot of people limit marketing to brand marketing. Brand marketing is just a microcosm of marketing. Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com. Hi, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is Oluwafemi Adeniba, the Executive Director of SourceMark Consult, and we will we're talking about a roadmap performance marketing efficiency. I know you guys are ready, so let's get it. Hey, Femi, how are you doing? Welcome. I'm good. Yeah, great. It's really an honor to have you here on this episode, and we can't wait to get a lot of your marketing wisdom there. So can we really start from you telling us about yourself and your background, your role, and how far you've come when it comes to your career as a marketing leader? Thank you very much. So a bit about myself, I strongly faith-based. Uh, I'm a believer in Christ. And uh, over time, I discovered that I get fulfillment in helping people gain clarity in life and business. I discovered I'm able to easily compartmentalize issues and connect the dots, no pun intended. I'm married with two lovely teenage girls and a charming boy. Regarding to my background, I studied electrical electronics from the Federal Polytechnic Adwekiti Telecoms Option some years ago, and then proceeded to University of Portsmouth where I did a BSc Computing, and after some years, I got my Executive MBA from the Lagos Business School and then IEC Business School in Barcelona, Spain. And that's most of the academic qualifications gotten. I also have some certifications in the course of transiting from IT, where I started my career in Procter & Gamble. I was outsourced to Villette Packard HP, still in the workplace services IT department. From there, I joined Friesland Campina. At Friesland Campina, I was in the IT department where I handled some enterprise projects. I was actually in the IT projects section. And after a while, I actually became restless and there was an opening in marketing where I became the first media manager and the role was enriched to event and sponsorship. And at the time, I took a sting at the Ghana subsidiary of the business for their media. I left paid employment some years ago, 2014 to be precise. And since then, I've been on this entrepreneurial journey where I started SourceMark in 2016. And in 2018, I was called upon by one of the top three global media buying companies, Stacom Media, to help reorganize their business. And at the height of the pandemic, we had to leave the place and came back to my business, SourceMark, where I lead the team as the executive director, 
more responsible for strategy and innovation in the business? I hope that answers your question. Absolutely. And if you're listening here, I want to give you guys a behind the scenes. So during the prep call, Femi was saying, why me? He was asking me, why me? And you guys can actually see why him. You can hear why him. Either you're watching this or you're hearing this, you can hear why him. That's quite a wrap. Like you've got quite a great experience with different organizations that are international, conglomerate and enterprise in nature. So it's great what you've done. And right now you help, I think it's fun for you at this point, helping companies around the world. Can you tell us about that and how that's going so far? Yeah, thanks, Dots. So helping company globally, it's fun for me, like, like you said. But beyond fun, also, I also earn money from it. But there is a give back part of me, which I began last year. It's a 30-minute clarity session with business owners in the SME space where I engage with business owners to understand what their pains are regarding to the aspect of marketing. And it will surprise you to know that a lot of business owners think of marketing as an afterthought. They don't think marketing at the point of building the business. They are more engrossed with the products than how will I market it? Not many of them are acquainted with the BMC model of business analysis. So when every section and input of the BMC, the canvas is well linked together, the aspect of marketing will be clearer. So for the few that are a bit intentional about marketing, I also discovered that they were not very clear as to what the picture of success is going to look like. So you're doing an activity which, for one reason or the other, you don't know how to measure. So when the output is coming out, you don't even know if it's working or not. And for the few that seem to understand, they don't know how to further optimize what is working. So... That session for me uh, is very enlightening for me and also very enriching for them. Opened my eyes to a similarity that cuts across business owners regarding how they handle marketing. Hmm. Yeah, I think people assume, oh, I use Google every day. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. So I should be able to market. There is no appreciation on the science of marketing. There is no appreciation that when it comes to ranking industries that have made so much money in the history of mankind, that marketing ranks in the top, in the very, very top. So I think having you in that space, and I think it is something that is worthy of emulation from my perspective as well, is helping to clear up that mindset to say there is a science to this and there are steps that need to be taken. I was interviewing someone recently and he said, and she said, marketing is the law. It's not like the place of hazardly. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of implementation. There's a lot of link. There's a lot of transparency required. And transparency is not easy. I do agree with you on that. So now let's get into the topic at hand, roadmap to performance marketing efficiency and doing more with less. So what is performance marketing efficiency? 
Wow. <laughs> uh, adults, there's so much buzzwords flying around. You know, nowadays that people seem to get so entwined with the buzzword and they lose the meaning of the term itself. So before I delve into performance marketing efficiency, let's even talk about performance marketing itself. What is performance marketing? Without speaking too much of English, performance marketing actually focuses on measurable results. Not just results, but measurable. Are you engaging in a marketing that you can hardly find how to measure it? Stop it. Because if you cannot measure it, it's not why. You need to be very intentional. And that is what performance marketing is about. Focusing on measurable results and the ability to allocate resources based on data and performance. So when you've been able to accomplish that focus and allocation, then the efficiency now comes in. Efficiency has to do with getting more out of less or doing more with less. So performance marketing efficiency is a form of optimization, okay? Making what is good better and what is better best. To answer your question about performance marketing, it's focusing on measurable results and proper allocation of resources in an optimized way. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And could you elaborate a little bit on some of the elements of that in terms of like the factors that people need to look at? You know, a good example is cost per acquisition, not yeah. cost per conversion. Yeah. Guys, if you are listening or watching, you need to know the difference. The difference between cost per conversion and cost per acquisition is that with cost per conversion, you are taking revenue into account. You are taking other things into account. The, the KPIs that you want to run away from, you are taking that into account. You have sales enablement in mind. It's important for us to make that description. So what are some of the other factors of performance marketing that you like to talk about? I like your perspective and I think it's going to be different from what people are expecting. So. Could you give us some of the other factors around that? Okay, so one is cost efficiency. Okay, if I go to cost efficiency, let me go to the cost per acquisition, which you mentioned. Now, a lot of marketers, for the want of a better word, seem to turn a blind eye to CPA. They would rather go CPC, which is cost per conversion, than CPA, the cost per acquisition. Because if it costs you $2 to get a customer, a client, and the revenue now is $1. From the go sets, or from the set go, you can see that, yes, at that point, you're running at a loss because you're spending more to acquire that customer. So in the acquisition of that customer, depending on the dynamics of your pricing point, because the other thing that also needs to come into play is the lifetime costs or the lifetime value, rather, of that customer. So in the course of the, when you project the lifetime value, calculate the lifetime value of that customer, and as a proxy to what other customers are doing, if you don't have your numbers right, and you're just looking at the cost per conversion from the cost per acquisition, your CPA, you will quickly know how best to optimize, which is where performance marketing comes in. It's about focusing on efficiency, focusing on what is working and how to make it better. 
So that's regarding cost per acquisition. But the other thing is about cost efficiency. Now, cost efficiency looks at how best can I make use of the budget allotted for me regarding this campaign. So you have your budgets, your time, and manpower. All these are elements of cost. And if you're only looking at the cost in terms of the USD and you forgo the time and the manpower, then you've not fully captured the cost in running that marketing campaign. So efficient performance marketing will make the most available resources maximize their impacts on outcomes. I want to end with that. Absolutely. I like the way you have broken this down. And like I always say in a few of my episodes, please, if you're listening, don't call yourself a growth marketer if you're not thinking about everything. Don't call yourself a growth marketer if you are not, if you are not working with sales. Don't call yourself a growth marketer if you are not being open and transparent and sincere. If you listen to what Femi said there, it gave an analogy of a loss, which is where I would like, let me drum a bit on that. Even if you are running at a loss, the process of determining that with full transparency and knowing what to do about that is valuable. And that makes you the growth marketer. Don't call yourself a growth marketer if all you care about is impressions. Some people will say cost per impression as if it's something valuable or you're a CPC guy. If you are not thinking about revenue, if revenue doesn't keep you up at night as a marketer, don't call yourself a growth marketer. Growth marketing, the rationale behind it is experimental. It's about finding what works. It's about testing all channels to find the one that works best. Testing all channels to know the one that delivers the best. So if you call yourself a growth marketer and you are not interested because delivery also has to impact the business. We're not talking of soft metrics now. Revenue is one of them. You need to do a marketing that impacts the business of your clients. When you are conversing, begin to ask yourself, which of these channels, in addition to all other soft metrics, which one will also deliver the revenue? So I just thought to chip in that. You know, Femi, on a lighter note, we have to make a pact in this episode that we are going to stay together in this because we are going to get a lot of flack online with regards to what it takes to become a growth marketer. We are going to get a lot of criticism, but we are going to stay in the course. It is the course we have to stay. Marketing leaders like us need to change the mindset of others to get into that deep end, the deep end that they've always run away from for many years and become the marketer that grow company, become the marketer that delivers commercial value. Are we together on that, Femi? Oh, sure, sure, sure. We're Good. together on this. Awesome. That sounds good. When it comes to marketing return on ad spend and performance marketing efficiency, let me put it this way. People think performance efficiency is financial. Would you agree with that? Yes, no, maybe, and why? So if I hear your question very well, is performance marketing efficiency financial? It's more than financial. So if that, if knows, we capture that. Yeah. So performance marketing is more than financial. Financial is just one of the elements that you capture in performance marketing efficiency. So in terms of the financial efficiency, 
is the return on investment regarding that campaign. Okay. ROAS is that kind of what you're talking about there? And would you want to elaborate? Yeah. Okay. So because a lot of people confuse ROAS with ROMS. So ROAS, which is the return on advertising spend, it's more focused on a campaign which you are running. While ROMS, return on marketing spend, actually encapsulates all what you have invested or spent as in the course of your marketing activity. So while the ROS focuses on campaign, ROMS looks at the global marketing activity. And because there are other uh, marketing, marketing operations that come under ROMS in addition to your advertising spend. So I just want to quickly play that ROMS and ROAS are totally different metrics. And uh, one is a subset of the other. I think marketers can chase both. As your career grows, you can become more of the ROMS guy. But ultimately, you need to start from somewhere. And starting from having that immediate ROAS is even great for your mindset, for your career, for the value you are driving. And then over time, you can start to in the process of determining cost per acquisition, you are looking at what is the cost involved in including a lead nurturing executive, for example. What is the cost in including some of the other things? Even looking at the prices of the package or the product that the revenue is coming from. What's the average order value? What was the lifetime value like? What's the, for example, the investment in that product? Cost of goods or services sold? I hear somebody here might be telling me, this is too much for me. But it is what it is. If you can nail ROMS, like Femi is saying, the sky is the limit. When you speak, people listen. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. You know what? It's interesting that a lot of people limit marketing to brand marketing. And I'm like, guys, brand marketing is just a microcosm of marketing. And... When brand managers, in quotes, engage with marketing services providers, and they have this very tunnel view about, oh, his brand has. I agree with you, branding. But in addition to branding, there are other activities that add up to help build your brand. So you need to further upgrade yourself beyond just brand management thinking that it's all about brand marketing. Awesome. Again, people will be like, yeah, we already know this, but the lines are drawing thin every day and it's important for marketers to be able to constructively determine the differences there. As we move on here, from your experience, this is another differentiation question. What's the difference between marketing efficiency and marketing effectiveness? And which one should we embrace, if I would say it that way? Okay, which one should we embrace? We should embrace the two. So, marketing efficiency, like I talked about earlier regarding to performance marketing efficiency. Anytime the word efficiency is being used, it's about optimization. It's about getting more using less. When you use the formula for calculating efficiency, it is output over input times 100%. So the higher your output and the lower your input, the higher your efficiency. 
So marketing efficiency just talks about optimization of your marketing. That's making good better and making better best. That's all efficiency is about. But when we're talking about marketing effectiveness, that borders down on, are we talking to the right person? Is this copy we're using in our messaging, is it communicating the message we intend? And which is why in the course of testing the effectiveness of your marketing, you need to understand the rudiments of what is your customer journey. You, are, you need to have a very good customer understanding. You need to have the customer purchase journey. At each touch point of the customer, what are the need states of the customer? So a lot of things goes into marketing effectiveness. It is when you've ticked all the boxes that, okay, I'm talking to the right person. I'm using the right medium. I'm reaching the consumer at the right time, at the right mode. Then marketing efficiency can now kick in. How can, now that I'm talking to the right person, how can I make it better? So effectiveness is getting the right thing done. It's about the right thing. It's either the right thing or the wrong thing. There is no middle way between it. If it's either you're talking to the right person or you're talking to the wrong person. So if you are not getting your marketing effectiveness right and you now want to scale, you will scale rubbish. We waste so much money. But once you get your marketing effectiveness right, when you get all the elements of your marketing right and is delivering, then the marketing efficiency now kicks in. Where you can ask, okay, so what do I need to tweak? Where do I need to tweak? What do I need to optimize to further increase my output? That is how I'm going to explain the difference and the relationship between the two. Are you absolutely spot on, sir? I think I like what you mentioned there in terms of the progression and what you start with hitting the mark with effectiveness and then optimizing with efficiency so you can really scale if that's what you want to do. Now, back to performance marketing efficiency. I know you are a fractional CMO in some of your other universes. And why I like fractional CMOs is because they are not bureaucratic. Again, this episode is a bit of a tough law to many of the young marketers out there for those concerned. But what advice basically do you have for bureaucratic marketers of today? What are the things that they need to stop doing so that they can operate efficiently as marketers? Okay. <laughs> you use a very strong word there, bureaucratic. Yes. That way, that's why I said it's tough law. They got to listen. We need them to grow. So, yeah. Firstly, I want to say bureaucratic marketers find themselves in a bureaucratic environment. So, They've been bureaucratic is as a result of the environment in which they found themselves in. So they are in a system that is first level bureaucratic. So it's not about the marketers, if we have to be very objective. Okay. They found themselves within a constraint that doesn't allow them to express themselves the way they would love to. And bureaucracy. For me, if I want to find another word for bureaucracy, is too much control. Control itself is expensive. 
Then when you don't have excessive control, you can be so sure you are incurring so much cost. If there is a way all these bureaucratic systems can monetize the impact of their bureaucracy or red tape bottlenecks on their business, they will think twice and remove all the, the bottlenecks in these processes. So take marketers in the cost of justifying their spend is all first about results that can be measured. Okay? So performance marketing would deliver that to you if you are looking for measurable results. Because the essence of it is that you are intentional from the start and you are aligned on what are the things we are measuring and how are we going to measure. Because it's possible for you to have one activity and have different perspective of how to measure it. But if you are aligned from the goal set that look, this is the activity we want to embark on. And this is how we've agreed to measure it. Not that the marketer has his own idea of how it should be measured. And the service provider also has a way he or she thinks should be measured, and they both go their various ways, and you not come back, and you start battling. No, 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 no. I always prefer, okay, this is it. From my own view, now you should measure it. From your own view, how do you think? Well, we now align that, okay, these are the things. Otherwise, the first thing you will hear is, oh, it's not working. So, performance marketing gives room for measurable results, which I think, Think strongly, a marketer that finds him or herself in a bureaucratic setting would love to see. Most marketing helps in cost optimization. In as much as I don't like using the word cost when it comes to marketing activity, I see it more as an investment. There are instances where you still incur costs, which really might not be an investment. But once you know that in the course of your planning, marketing planning, you've said that, okay, this is a cost I have to incur, okay, and I'm incurring this cost effectively, then I now move from effective cost accrual to cost efficiency. Make sure that, okay, I'm doing the best to not incur additional costs in the course of this marketing campaign. So performance marketing efficiency also helps with that. And also more importantly is the ROI focus. Performance marketing efficiency helps you to focus on the return on the investment in this activity you are embarking on or you are engaging in. It also enhances data-driven decision-making because that is what performance marketing is all about, really. Performance marketing efficiency, you look at the data, okay, this activity, this channel, this process, okay, is it delivering what I'm expecting? If it's not delivering, okay, what do I need to tweak? Where do I need to tweak? What do I need to whittle down? So it enhances data-driven decision-making. And finally, once you've gotten the right combination of effectiveness and efficiency, then it also prepares you to scale. So you can be so sure that if at all there are some not so optimal aspect of the process, 
when you scale, you don't scale nonsense. You scale in percentage of the good parts of the process. So that's the beauty of performance marketing efficiency. Yeah. I like what you said there about the realignments, not just vendor to marketer to team lead to subordinate and alignment, but it's the entire marketing ecosystem even aligning with sales, for example. So it's important for them to, if you really want to measure the great revenue that grows the company, then you also need to align with sales and even customer service on the retention side of things as well. So I think of all those points, I really liked what you said there with alignment. When it comes to paid search marketing campaign, not just paid search, or paid marketing campaigns or paid media campaigns, you are a legend. I'm saying myself, when I grow up, I want to be like you, as is often said. But what are the available tech tools or tech solutions that allow B2B PPC marketers to leverage automation, leverage simplicity, and even leverage strategic efficiency so that they can become better performance marketers? Okay, there are some very key words you used there. Leverage, automation, simplicity, and strategic efficiency. There's a plethora of tools which PPC marketers can use, but one which comes top of mind and strong is in the Alphabet family. That's the Google Ads platform, admin platform. And I think by July 1st, there will be a migration into the Google Ads 4. Google Ads and uh, the Microsoft advertising platforms, which was formerly Bing Ads, is a very strong ad management platform. Coming to automation, marketing automation systems for PPC, we have the likes of HubSpot, Aketo, which allows you to synchronize your campaigns and target specific audiences to optimize event. And we are in the dispensation of AI. So, yeah, there are a lot of AI coming in. While some are afraid that AI will take their jobs, my belief is that AI will not take your job. It is the person that knows how to use AI that will take your job. It's the person that knows how to use AI that will take your job. Because personally, I just see AI as a tool. I don't know... If you remember back in the days, here in Nigeria, calculators were not allowed in schools. At the time, we were told we needed to learn how to use what we call four-figure tables in calculating logarithmic calculations. But there also, there were calculators that could do it. Why put us through the pain exactly. of using a table? Well, we can use. So where's the four-figure table today for heaven's sake? Exactly, you know? yeah. So there are a lot of calculators out there. So the same vein, I see the AI as a tool. So it is the more you make yourself acquainted with your calculator that you'll be able to exhaust the features on the calculator. So also, with your AI is just a tool. It's like your normal cutlass. If you don't use it, it won't get sharpened. So the more you use it, the more you can bring up some very good skills in the use of your tools. So uh, I hear so much noise about AI, this, AI, that. I said, guys, just think of AI as a calculator and your life will be much more uh, at peace. So there are a lot of AI-powered optimization technologies for PPC marketers out there. A lot. There is the 
Adobe Advertising Cloud and that of Acquisio. And also in terms of audience targeting and segmentation, which is also very key for PPC, you have Facebook ads, the LinkedIn ads, and Twitter ads, which profile. So ad targeting options. For conversion, tracking, and analytics, yeah, Google still stand tops. And I just want to say to every PPC marketer out there, that technology is just a tool. The more you sit with it, the better you become at it. And with time, the tool itself will not replace you. It is the person that knows how to use the tool that will replace you. I like your perspective about AI. When I have these conversations and AI comes up, I would like to see how people respond. And you are well in line with the kind of responses I'm expecting. Ultimately, AI will not take your job if you are at the strategic end. You are the master. AI is the servant. You tell it what to do. You run it. Don't be complaining that AI is going to take our jobs when you are just there at the end user area of your career. You are still at the servant level. So definitely servants, will, the more efficient servants will replace the other servant, right? Be strategic. I thought that was very good and I really, really appreciate that. And I like what you said about analytics. I think that's my favorite part in terms of looking at the tech stack. You need to be able to make sure that analytics is a big part of your digital transformation. That is well-placed, well-oiled, spotless as much as possible, even before you run any campaign at all. Do not run any campaign without your tracking system in place. Do not. I cannot overemphasize that enough. Running a business without analytics is like driving an airplane without your dashboard. Disaster. Yeah, just disaster waiting to happen. So, your analytics, you should have a dashboard telling you how you are tracking. If you are running a campaign, running a business, running a department, and you don't have your, the right analytics in place, guy, I don't understand what we're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I was actually going to dive deep into the analytics end as well. To ask, to try to pick your brain with regards to that. Yeah, there's the side of please incorporate analytics, but there are some segments of marketers that are just overusing everything. They are just using all the analytics, KPIs that are clearly dead, solution that is not needed, and creativity is lost because people are just basically focusing on the numbers without context. Numbers are supposed to guide you, right? So when it comes to creativity in marketing and not losing that grip, in place of data. How do you advise us to have that balance? Basically, I will have my dashboards in terms of using the airplane example. I have my dashboards, but I also know the nuances of how I'm driving. Beds flocking around this side. The dashboard will not tell me that. I need to see it with my eyes and move away from the way and things like that. So how do we marry analytics and creativity or what I call marketing intelligence and creativity? So, nice question. I actually wrote a piece on this recently because I, I saw the struggle, the tension. And really, once purpose is not understood, abuse is inevitable. Data and creativity should go hand in hand in your marketing operations. Data and creativity, because the data informs your creativity. And the creativity also generates data to further improve on your creativity. So 
for the want of a better word, is more of a chicken and an egg. They feed into each other. So it shouldn't be a thing of tension at all. Most of the AI which we're looking at today has its foundation on data, the large language modeling data. There is a huge amount of data sitting at the base of every AI. They were made to learn so much data. And the more data, the more creative they will be. So there shouldn't be any tension, actually. It is only when the marketer is not open to new ideas and new opportunities and new possibilities that we have this tension. For a well-informed marketer, there should be a sync between creativity and data. Interesting, interesting. So I like the AI model you used there. AI is creative. You know, everybody's saying AI is as creative as the human. It can write like a human. It can draw like a human. But it's not just drawing alone. It's drawing based on data. So data should inform the direction of your creativity. Data helps you where you have creative, not like, let me give you an example, sir. For example, in the YouTube space, and my other life, I'm a YouTuber. Sometimes YouTubers are so obsessed with data that their creativity is gone. So you hear people saying, oh, this YouTube thumbnail, this is the way the guy did it. And that is why he has so many views. That may not be the reason. Sometimes you know in data, correlation does not mean implication. That's something that just came up, up in my head, but that's a quote I've been nurturing in my head for a long time when it comes to data. But what they do is that they try to copy the same thumbnail thinking it's going to work for them. But they may not know that what might work for them might be different. It may be the content. It may be the length of the content. It may be the style of the context. It may be some other nuances. So even chipping there, they are not privy to the analytics page of the person to get the data that is making it work for him. So they are just leveraging, they are just hanging on, trying to wing based on what they see, the creativity alone. But if they get the data at the back end, it will now inform their own creativity on how best to go about it. Exactly. I think I like that context. And I think that's the way we should approach marketing going forward. You can do competitive analysis if you can. We have tools like similar web and things like that. At the end of the day, you must be able to look at your own context, your own audience, your own business goals, and all these other nuances to be able to inform the right decision and still keep you creative, which is really the goal, yeah? When it comes to cost, you mentioned that a bit investment, if I will put it rightly, according to you there, for fractional marketing resources. As a fractional marketer, how do you help B2B startups scale their performance marketing with effective strategies? And I'm saying this to say, you are working with a small SaaS startup, for example, they are just raising money, there's not much. They have this amount of marketing, but they want to grow inside out. So how do you help them to make that leap to the next level? Okay, fantastic. So part of my learning, I'm still learning. Part of my learning in the course of offering the CMO service is that a lot of businesses are not clear about their customer segments. Let me quickly just chip in this small story of the monk that sold combs 
there were sales guys that were giving cones to go sell to a monk. Not a monk that sold cones, rather. The sales guy was told to go sell cones to monks. And there were like three. One of them was able to sell maybe like one. Another was able to sell maybe like three. Then the third guy, I think, was able to sell 100. And they were like, wow, this same cone. How come you were able to sell one, you, two, uh, three, you, hundreds, and even still asking for more? Now, the understanding of the targets, the customer segments, will inform how you will deliver the proposition. So when business owners tell me they are looking for customers, I said, if we look into your data in-house, you are locking some of your customers in your office where you close by the day. They were like, I said, yeah. Because some guys are already buying. Who are they? How well do you know the persona of these people? Beyond them just buying. If you are capturing the right data, you will know the frequency of purchase, the basket which these people. So there is enough data in-house to help you make informed decisions on creating your buyer persona. And from the analysis of the data in-house, you'll be able to segment the various customer and the one with the highest, the segment that delivers the highest return to you. So one of the things I start with in terms of helping them to be more cost-effective is focus on their audience segmentation. They need to understand who their customers are. Then we also now try to leverage on digital marketing channels. Now, many people think because there's so much activity on digital marketing and comprises social media marketing, internet marketing, mobile marketing, that's all. Oh, they say you can do it yourself, DIY. They're just going, they burn money and they come out. When you go to a barber shop and you see the barber doing his thing, you think it's very easy until you handle the clipper and you find out that. It's not as easy as you thought. Digital marketing is a skill that it looks easy, does not make it easy. You still need to train yourself. So we leverage digital marketing channels that are more contextually relevant for the audience. There are some services that you find more of your audience on a particular platform than others, depending on who your segment, who you're targeting. For instance, a lot of millennials and Gen Zs have drifted off Facebook and they are now more on Instagram and TikTok. So if you think because there's a strong affinity for Facebook in this part of the world and you just focus on Facebook, yes, there are times when because Meta owns Facebook and Instagram, so some of your ads can spill from Facebook into Instagram. But if you are not intentional about it, you just find that you're just on Facebook and you're not entering or capturing the audience in Instagram. So we leverage digital marketing channels to be more cost-effective and also in content marketing. We are in the dispensation of content marketers. The traditional way of advertising is gradually losing it's team to user-generated content. So we leverage on how can you 
engage with your customers, your existing customers, to draw in more customers. We also look at collaboration with partners and affiliates. And in all of this, we go back to our dashboard by measuring continuously that are we on track? Okay, which one is not delivering that we thought would deliver? If it's not delivering, okay. Is there something we can do to optimize? Not working, we put the plug on that. Plow the budget into another channel and like that. So it's a continuous measuring and optimization of our activities. So with all that put together, I think we are able to get to a place where these small and medium-sized businesses are able to tap and squeeze a lot of value from these fractional stable solutions which we provide for them. Absolutely. And that's beautiful. If you're listening now and you want to get all that again, just again, rewind, take notes, because this is how to do it. Being a fractional CMO allows you to scale. You don't have to be a fractional CMO officially as a service. You can be a fractional CMO even within your organization as well. And be that go-to efficient guy that the company cannot grow without. Femi, it's been an honor you know, having you on this podcast. And I'm hoping in the next couple of months, we can even have you back if possible, because I really, really enjoyed this. So where can our B2B marketers find you, you know, if they need help marketing our skill? Okay. I'm very strong on LinkedIn. So you find me on linkedin.com slash IN slash Oluwafemiadeniba is one word. You can also do me an email at briefs spelled as B for ball, R for Romeo, I, India, E, England, F, Finland, S for Switzerland. Briefs at sustmark.com. And also you can find me on an alternate email, oadeniba at gmail.com. Quickly before I go, let me give a background to the name of the company, Sustmark. Oh yeah, that will be interesting. Please. Before venturing out of paid employment to start my own thing, one of the things I see cutting across a lot of businesses doing marketing, promotion, and advertising was the fact that there's a complaint that it's too expensive, it's too capital intensive, I don't have money. And as such, you find businesses and companies just engaging marketing campaigns once and that's all. And I'm like, no, that is not how marketing should be. Marketing should be sustainable, should be ongoing, should be consistent. It's like a plane trying to take off and once it gets airborne, you just pull all the fuel. You leak all the fuel, it crashes and you now start all over again. So, Sustmark is a coinage of sustainable, yeah, sustainable marketing. marketing. So, so, I've always been like, okay, how can we make marketing more sustainable? And as time went on, the trend or the concept of ESG also grew, environment, sustainability, and governance. So, which is also an interesting part of also an area where we are developing capability and capacity right now so that we can help marketers see the ESG angle of their activities. So I just want to chip in that there. Yeah, and I think that's the trend for 2020, even to the end of the decade. I've seen a lot of people mention 
running ads as a function of your carbon emission and things like that, right? Find that interesting. We'll see how that goes. Guys, if you're listening, thank you for your time. That's all that we have for today. See more episodes at dotslovesmarketing.com and subscribe to Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Till next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com.